Welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. My name is Carrie Wooten, and through this podcast, we're going to be speaking to people from across the media industry to learn about their education, their career paths, and their job roles. We'll discover what has motivated them and led them to undertake a career in the industry and what has kept them working within it. Where we can, we'll show as many links to organisations and individuals who can support and guide you through your journey into the media industry. We really hope you enjoy this series. There is such a breadth of jobs across the media industry, and today we're going to be hearing from someone who is right amongst the action. Sean Williams is a freelance TV floor manager, and having studied at Ravensbourne University from 2009 to 2012, he worked as a camera assistant at the 2012 Olympics, then as a multi-skilled operator for Bloomsburg, as a floor manager for ITN, and then built his career up to a floor manager working for some of the biggest broadcasters in the sector, including the BBC and Sky. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about his career and exactly what is involved in being a floor manager for the media industry. Sean, welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so on this podcast, we like to start right at the beginning and find out what you were like as a child and if you had any particular interests or hobbies and what you were generally like a, as a young person. So so what were you like? What Did you have any particular interests? Were you outgoing, not outgoing? Yeah, what were you like? I, wow, God, as a child, now this takes me back. So <laughs> I was definitely, I was an outgoing child. I wasn't very shy. I I was very kind of sociable. I would always sort of like to be in groups, especially, you know, um, parents introduced people. I wasn't shy about it. And obviously I had a sort of good range of friends um, at school. Mm-hmm. And I'd always wanted to do stuff. So I would do obviously what you'd have to do at school but I would incur like a number of sort of activities during my childhood so I think I used to go and do I used to play sort of squash um I used to do quite a lot of sport okay I'm my sportiest person but I did I tried squash out and I wasn't very good let's be honest I, <laughs> I learned a bit of martial arts I think that was so my parents knew I could defend myself and were worried that I'd get beaten up so I learned jiu-jitsu I got to a uh, it was a green belt. I can't remember how many belts that was in the junior way of things. Um, and I surprised you wouldn't believe they even went into acting. I didn't even think I was interested in it, but I went uh, into acting on like Saturdays and I did a bit of acting. Um, and it did get me out of school a couple of times so that we could go and do the performances. So that was quite good. <laughs> uh, and a couple of things, probably a bit tennis. So yeah, it was mostly sort of like my hobbies were sort of like after school activities. And um, I was very much like to be busy. I was quite a busy kid. I didn't like to sit around. Yeah. So. Was that because you had lots of energy as well? Was it just actually you needed? Yeah, I, I would. I would probably have a lot of energy, and I I would like to sort of uh, disperse it in sort of an, in, in a good way. I I, I wouldn't want to sort of. I tell you what, I didn't used to do. I wouldn't read loads of books when I was a young kid. I would certainly like to be out and about and doing things. I like to sort of. That's what I tend to do is I try and fix something but actually would break it and I was also a bit of me so I would sort of get myself into trouble and break things I probably shouldn't break because I wanted to sort of see what it did so I also had quite an interest in sort of like how things worked and the mechanism of things and um obviously other things we had scale electric and we had sort of um can't even remember like connect uh, I can't remember what the sort of uh, the, the different kind of um products where you kind of would you know connect them and shape things and and do all that I can't remember their names now but yeah I would sort of like to build stuff as well you were into quite almost techie stuff without even knowing that you're into techie stuff yeah stuff without sort of realizing it Mm. but I would always have a real interest as a kid in sort of how things would work like I think you know I can't remember exactly what museums would go to but if there's some sort of like mechanism and like the cogs and stuff I like to so I'd follow it through and see how each part connected so yeah slightly interest in those things yeah and then what about a secondary school and GCSEs did you was there a natural progression into certain subjects you were like actually it's obvious that I'm going to do xyz or were you a child that was academic or you know what was that process like when you were in secondary school so I I learned quite from from going through the primary and secondary I knew when we used to have to do like this you know you have to do like um learning to spell the words at the end of the week you'd be set given a list of words and you'd have to learn to spell them off by heart mm-hmm. I wouldn't I would struggle let's say I would struggle I could still do it but it would take me a lot longer to understand that process so I knew I wasn't going to be academic especially in English okay. English there you go what's that subject 
maths I was strong at it you know I could do my maths better and um so writing for me wasn't a strength so when I went into secondary school I knew at that stage that my subject choices had to be obviously the ones that we have to naturally do Ooh. but I started to go into sort of more creative roles so I got through my what do we do we do our sats and everything and then by GCSE you get to pick what you really like so I picked IT um okay. I think French um and I did design technology and a bit of business as well. Okay, so, interesting. Yes, my DT was my strongest because it was practical. And that's what I really liked about it. So having a practical course kind of kept me interested. And what I found when I was studying GCSE was as much as you had to do your English and there was English literature, you can still get through it. It is all fine. But there is elements where there's the coursework. The coursework was the key part because unlike exams, I got time to think about it. And what also developed during that period just before my GCSEs is uh, my parents thought I had, you know, struggles sort of learning words and elements of English. So they took me for a test and it was a dyslexia test. I was going to say, were you ever diagnosed with dyslexia? I got diagnosed with dyslexia, or as I like to call it, minor dyslexia, was the exact words. Okay. And my my parents, my mum got a bit of a telling off as well, because she, it was interesting, very important point was made when she used to make me try and sound the words out. But what the person would say is like, no, you've got to help. You've got to sound it out with them. You've got to work as a team. And so I kind of was like, no, I knew it was you as well. as I was <laughs> <laughs> blaming your mum for not being able to spell the words as well <laughs> it was a real learning curve so any yeah, advice and for your mum as well I'm sure just going through that struggling to sound out any words just ask yeah. and that goes for everything you know if you ask for help you know there's, there's so many people there can give you answers but that by having that diagnosis it sort of helped me out because it gives you extra time in exams and some subjects I got it in maths I didn't need it in maths but just took advantage of it it was great I got an extra 15 minutes even in French and I don't think I was dyslexic in French for some reason so yeah. I kept the uh I kept the extra time to my advantage and mm. um and again the coursework was the biggest thing that kind of um interested me and helped excel me and also helped me get my grades as well for GCSE. Yeah, that, that's so interesting. And did you choose your subjects based on whether they were coursework or exams? Did that play any part in terms of your GCSE yeah, choices? I, there was certainly an element because also it just reminded me of GCSE, IT, design technology, and uh, there was, I think, a little bit of business had units in it that had quite a course-based structure. So you could build up your points or however, however it was calculated. And so Ooh. before your exam, you could get an idea of where you sat in the grade to then know what you had to achieve in, in the exam piece. And it didn't just, it wasn't all on that day. You know, you'd already no. half or if not more of the work. So yeah. the design and technology, you know, that was a big help because I was really bad in the exam for the design technology, technology, GCSE and A-level. So I always let myself down with that, but I knew that, but it didn't matter because I, I um, got really good results because of the course because it get, I had time to do it so yeah that's so interesting and I think just for anyone listening as well just recognizing when young people do have signs of dyslexia and making sure that you do try and get them diagnosed as early as possible then allows as you just said allows you to have that time yeah. when you need it in those kind of environments like an exam where that that space and, gives you the extra time to kind of process things and, and work things out and it works to your advantage having the dyslexia um even without realizing it you find other ways to get around problems Mm, that's so interesting Active ways to do it and I find that you'll look there's a lot of famous people who have it you know likes of Richard Branson and you'll find that they're a lot more charismatic they're more personable they're more sort of vision in show and I use that way to sort of socialize with people more and even in today I would rather go and if I'm in a uh, you know working in an office environment um where obviously there's a tv student but i've got to send an email the person's there i'll just go to them if if it makes sense to rather mm. than send the email one it's quicker it's more personal so there's ways around it you don't have to always write things down and don't forget you can always just call someone um yeah. Yeah, a number of ways i've i've worked around not having to sort of structure like formal emails to get to where i am yeah basically. that's yeah that's so interesting and so when do you think you were aware of the media industry because you said you were doing drama as a kid and you obviously had lots of interests and hobbies was 
and you obviously ended up kind of breaking things and pulling things apart and then <laughs> not being able to put them together. But were you aware of kind of the media industry, TV? Had that even kind of so, got into your radar at that age when you were like, I suppose, 14 to 16 before you did a yeah, it Was it on your... Yeah, it sort of it sort of hit a point at 16, but it had also sort of been recognised so long. I had a friend whose dad was working for Sky and we'd all, uh, we'd go on a couple of family holidays and you'd hear stories. Uh, oh, he's had to shoot off. He's had a pager. Uh, he can't tell us what. And that night is when um, the parents used to all socialise as well. And that's because uh, the Queen Mother had died. He couldn't tell anyone. He just had to get up and go and yeah, leave and go head to Sky and deal with it and oversee the whole directing side. And he was in charge of the directors, of vision mixers, and all, and all these people. And I think without so much realising it, it was the only role out of all the parents that kind of I was interested in, apart from obviously what your own parents do. Mm. And it wasn't until I was 16, um, as a friend of mine, they, they moved out to Qatar, and, they, and his dad helped set up um, Al Jazeera. And I got to go and see Al Jazeera English while it's still being built. And oh, wow, amazing. I think that kind of helped sort of focus on what I liked. And that's, again, all those techie things, hanging lights and cameras and things in places sort of gave me something to be interested in. Mm. So Yeah, really kind of from 16, I kind of got an inkling that this might be something I want to do. And was that when you went on that trip when you were 16? Was that yeah, yeah. I, I went out on my own at 16 and took guitar as a holiday in the middle of summer. I don't recommend it. <laughs> no, I bet that was really hot. <laughs> and I got to see uh, the studio, um, but I was primarily there because a friend had, was moving out there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that kind of helped sort of give me an idea of like, oh, this could be interesting. Yeah, so. okay. And then what about A-level? So did you say you did design and technology at A-level as yeah. well? So you followed so, that path through. So transition, I followed into A-levels and I did uh, design technology and I did um, ICT, and this is the interesting one, and the story behind this, I did photography, and I hadn't done any art courses up to this point, and the photography happened because we had a day out with some friends, and I just wanted to pick up a camera, I picked up a disposable camera, we went to Camden, and I had literally probably one of the best days ever, like it just, it was before Instagram, and it was like an Instagram moment, but you don't know what the photos are going to look like till afterwards. no. no. And it was, it must, we must have been in the summer holidays because I think we went, you know, in the week or something. And having picked up that camera excited me. And the whole journey of that day was just such an experience. It was just such fun. And when you do your A-levels at the school I went to, um, your parent comes with you and they just talk about what your subject choices are. And it's thanks to my mum. My mum said, oh, Sean's actually got an interest. He picks up a camera and he seems to like photography. Can we? change one of his subjects and she said he hasn't done any GCSE art or design well he's done design but he hasn't done the art sector so they said oh well, let me just see and the bottom line is quite simply if you don't ask in life you don't get and it turned out that I got put on the photography course and that was a real stepping stone it was my main key subject and I loved it I went on to buy um um, an SLR camera, single lens reflex camera, I think I got that wrong, <laughs> and then a, <laughs> a DSLR, um, and I learned to sort of, you know, work in you know, process film, and then it became digital, um, and then that became my uh, highest achieving uh, grade in A level, I got a B, um, and I got another, what was my other subjects, I got a B in um, DT and then I think I got a C and ICT so I think it was also written out for me because it's spelled BBC <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> so yeah that that really helped and it was photography that I pinned myself with as I came to the end of A levels and was thinking what what next um because I didn't I, I wasn't planning by the end of A levels to go to university because I still didn't know so I so thought, university wasn't really, it was kind of there, but not really that this is where my path is going. You were kind of umming and ahhing about it. Yeah, and our school was quite, quite like, I think they were actually a bit pushy looking back on it to, to, to go and consider go to university. But they still left the door and going, if you don't want to go, you don't want to go. But it was quite, quite enforced. But I didn't feel any pressure. And also, I didn't have the pressure from my parents. My pressure, the pressure from my parents was non-existent. It was just support. And it was just do your best. It's all that matters, you know. Mm. And if there was any sort of like, you know, you're messing around, which for me, because I knew I used to come home and I like, like to get the work done. I didn't like it to be hovering over the weekend. So I was kind of already built into me. 
Um, but if there was, they were just like, you know, just do your best because, you know, it's important. You've got, you've got to study, you know, and they would demonstrate it in other ways, you know, by um, obviously they encouraged me to get a job as well. And that was sort of a learning curve in its own site. I actually started off with a paper round and then went and worked to a supermarket. And so I was working while studying. And so as the A-levels came to an end, I was working in the supermarket and the decision was there's a um, choice where you can go and do what's called an art foundation. And yeah. so I took on uh, the idea of doing an art foundation and, it's, and so did a couple of other students. So I wasn't alone. So people weren't too sure. And for anyone who doesn't know about it, what it basically is, it's it's a year's study where you cover all the disciplines of art from fashion to textiles to photography, uh, design, and you just do it within a term. Even if you don't like it, it's just a week. And I knew, for example, I was, had to do fashion for a week and I was terrible. We had to turn a T-shirt into a dress. I just super glued it all together. I was, <laughs> you know, there was no stitching, no technique. <laughs> I had like an hour to do it. <laughs> all stuck on glue. And I was like, looks good, but no one will know. So you can cheat, but only if it works to your advantage. I love that. It was all done with super glue. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the courses and the big set put me was I went to Ravensbourne and Ravensbourne is known for its TV. And so one of the options was you could apply to go on a two week uh, additional course, still embedded in, in the Art Foundation, but it's because they obviously specialise in TV to do a TV production course. And that was the selling point. So by doing that, we had a showreel and we created, because the whole point of the course was to create a portfolio of work. And so the TV side that we did for those two weeks helped us create a uh, portfolio in, in, in TV. And we were also allowed to apply internally to the TV degree course. Uh, which okay. I had to then later go on and do. Um, I was also rejected by all the other universities that I applied for. So I hadn't, I didn't have a choice. So that's interesting. Uh, yes, it was, it was Ravensbourne that um, took me on because of the part of the art foundation course uh, to go. So on. the art foundation course was that, uh, that was at Ravensbourne, was it? That was also at Ravensbourne. Yes. Yeah, so you did the art foundation and then went on to the TV production course. Yeah, went on to the TV production. And it was it was called um it was called broadcast operations at the time. It was actually a foundation degree because it was two two years. I think it's changed since, but it's and I'm sure but I'm sure there's similar things elsewhere. It was two years with the option to then go into the industry or to stay on, do a third year to make it a full BA honors degree. Yeah. I before you go on to your time at Ravensbourne. I've got I've got a few questions about just your it seems to me that your work ethic was really embedded in you from an early age you were obviously I mean juggling A-levels and work and and, yeah. and it seems as though your as you said your family instilled that in you is that right did, did that work ethic come from your family do you think yeah and just yeah. you're naturally just going home and getting your homework done I mean that's quite extraordinary there aren't many young people that yeah do that everyone leaves it to the last minute so it seems probably yeah and probably a bit of a you know a bit of an OCD kid you know I always like to be sort of like not make be messy get my work done um god knows what other diagnosis I have who knows but <laughs> that's life um yeah um the work of it's partly because my parents my my dad used to work overnights when I was a real like probably a baby in the in for the in the print factory and the technical side of things mm-hmm. he later went on and created his own CCTV company um and then he he stopped that and then went on to sort of like security systems for like local councils. And he's um, like, a uh, he's going to kill me if I get this one. He's, he's like, he's not an electrician, but he's like an electrician engineer. So he, he, he studied that. And my mum worked in finance. So she, she always, she started off, she started off in Littlewoods and then she got into banking and she lied about her age and got into a job in a very male dominant industry and um, became quite senior even to this day so until she decided yeah. point of retiring so so yeah the work ethic was kind of embedded from what my parents did and yeah. where they went and stuff yeah and that naturally passed on to, to yeah. you I mean that is incredible because as I say it's um not often that young people go home and want to get their homework done straight away and get it out of the way and yeah uh, sad but I just I just no, it's... you know it, it, some things yeah some I would leave and actually my parents encouraged me she said you know you can leave it you don't have to do it and mm. I said, oh, I just want to get it home. I yeah, don't know. yeah, no, that's no bad thing. I think that's a that's a good thing to. Yeah, it, you don't realize it. All everything relates to your children. And live TV, you can't wait. It has to get it done now. So no, that's so true. That well, well, that's really interesting that you've made that connection. So um, we'll, we'll come we'll come on to that. Yeah, let's hold that thought. But but 
just going back to Ravensbourne, so you, you did you stay for the third the third year to get the full degree? Yeah, I wanted to do the full degree. So um, we it was based in Chislehurst at the time, and during our our three years of it moved it moved to um, the dome to um, to Greenwich. So um, it it was great. I, it was very practical. It was very hands on, and it, there was a lot of resources there. And it was it was what you made of it really, and what you did. And um, the first year was just like most universities, you try everything out, um, you cover all the, all the disciplines, and then by your second, you go into your chosen subject, which was studio operations for me. Um, and we did a number of projects and had fun. And that's also where the floor managing kind of became of interest to me. And I like doing stuff on the floor. Um, so, and still, you, you covered all the roles from the cameras, sound, lighting, everything. Um, and then in the third year, it becomes a bit more academic um, and you, you have to focus on um, doing your dissertation. And so for someone like me who doesn't like writing, it's because of the length of time we had, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I, I would go to the library, I would work on it. And it was about um, it was about news. I talked about sort of uh, how news agenda was sort of selected and sort of pit and uh, diary entried because news actually does. Uh, come sometimes with a diary people know what's happening and put things in it's not all just breaking news and unexpected so I I used yeah I, I did quite a lot of sort of um, analysis on that and I also took advantage of where I'd done some work placements to get some information and that was another great thing about Winsbourne is it had a good work experience work placement sector so even before I'd finished uni I'd already done paid floor managing work other tv work uh, I think I went on, I did an internship for CNN, which is great. And a place that doesn't exist anymore, but it, it was called London Studios, which is technically ITV. And it was very practical six weeks where we worked on all sorts of shows from um, this morning, even um, like Paul O'Grady's show. And uh, I mean, I can't even remember half of them. It was just like, just some really amazing experiences. And that's that was an addition to what some of the obviously universities would offer is the fact that they actually got you out there in the industry. You weren't just stuck on the course uh, inside. You were, you're already in the field before you graduated. Yes, you had that wealth of industry experience before you'd even gotten to working full time. What about your dyslexia, Sean, at that point? Did that filter into your experience at Ravensbourne? Or did, I mean, it sounds like with your dissertation, you had lots of time to actually make that probably help. But just during academically through your three years there did that impact you in any way did you get any additional support what was that process like yeah, in the university there was additional support available and I had a couple of um one-to-one -one sessions with a specialist uh, who provided me it, I vaguely remember I think there was a couple of ways of helping read better where you can have different colored um plastic filler so you can see the words and an interesting fact that came out of it was I used to transfer all of my written computer text into Comic Sans. And Comic Sans, and I'm not sure if I'm 100% right on this, was apparently helpfully designed for those who are dyslexic. Oh. You can read, I always found I could read things in Comic Sans better, and I would change my font to blue, and I would pick up things better. Whereas if I had it in black and white, I'd miss out words. And it still happens today, but it doesn't matter. You can always go back and change it. And even when I text day to day, I, I miss out every text message. I just don't care. It doesn't matter. No one else cares. And it's just a no. text. But yeah. if it's an email, like you, I would change it to Comic Sans, change the blue, and I would check it. And maybe if it was really, really important, like ask someone. But yeah, that support was there if I wanted it. Um, and, and we had to write sort of end of unit reports, uh, the dissertation, um, but the time was there and so it the dyslexia just slowed me down a bit but I still got through it and it was absolutely fine and you're just saying what you know and you just as you're as we're speaking now is what you're kind of writing so yeah get through it and universities have the support mechanisms there for you and yeah. just don't be afraid to ask and you're better off having it than not anyway because especially if you're in the creative world it's going to do you some favors yeah absolutely and I think even that that tip of just changing the color of your text and the font of your text that's such a huge thing isn't it that actually if that can enable you to work more quickly or to adjust things slightly then god what an amazing thing to yeah. and I, to I actually I really enjoyed writing my dissertation um and I, I didn't think I would I, mm. I got through to 63 pages and uh I, I just really liked it yeah I sort of in, enjoyed like writing what what your 
or what, what I'm passionate about, you know. Um, so yeah, and yeah. I think all in blue. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So what? So one of the next things that strikes me about your career is this kind of huge marker of the Olympic Games in 2012. It just yeah. seems. I mean, it was such a enormous event for the country as a whole. But you got to go and work on it, right? Yeah. We, we, How did that come about, and what was what was that like? That must have been incredible. Yeah, we we were really lucky. So Remsbourne partnered up with the Olympic Broadcast Service, and they do this worldwide. They uh, link up with um, universities, colleges that do uh, the uh, cover elements of the industry. And we went on a training course um, for a couple of days. Um, I think I'm not I'm not too sure where exactly, but they put us on um, like a, foot, a football pitch with the sort of football setup uh, with an outside broadcast, mm-hmm. and we also went to a couple of other. Um, training sessions to get us sort of fast-tracked into like this is how the olympics is going to be running this is how the industry works and the um everyone everyone was given a choice of roles from utilities and some people went for six weeks to cameras to sound elements i mean i can't even remember there's so so much going on it was just overwhelming at the time so i i picked camera assisting and it was coming in as we were graduating, well, as we had finished our degree. So we had a couple of, like I said, the training courses during our degree. And I went on and did the shooting in Woolwich as a camera assistant. And the Olympics uh, is, is vast. So every single sport uh, event is run by like a specialized team. So the people doing the shooting, the Polish are really good at it. So that's who, who we were put with. Um, I think they have... Uh, like I might be wrong is like Chinese do the table tennis um Norwegians maybe do do the athletics like there's sort of so many different countries uh with all their broadcast specialities come together to pinpoint the Olympics all into one location um and it was just a great experience I mean I was really lucky I, I was it was 15 minutes from where I was living because <laughs> and we we uh we went on and we helped uh, the camera operators. We had um, uh, jib operator as well that we would help. And it was it was spectacular just to be right in the middle of it. And the shooting won the first gold medal of the Olympic Games. So you can imagine it was absolutely crazy. You know, mm. it had Wales Media there on the first, first winning medal. Um, and you just learn from people who do it day in, day out. And they are all aware that they are people on this course, on this job paid by the way um food provided free travel everything can even get into go and see the Olympic park and how it all works um who so yeah who are there to sort of who to learn so yeah it's it was really sort of an interesting insight into the biggest possible events to set you up for, for the industry yeah what an entrance to the industry that's incredible being able to experience all of that because it only happens every four years and to, for it to land right on your doorstep very lucky. Ravens were, yeah, incredible. What an opportunity. That just potluck that it happened in Ravensbourne with a number of other, I'm sure a number of other universities in the country partnered partnered yeah. with it. So, yeah. yeah. So then what happened after after the Olympics? Did you, so you were camera assisting them, but did you know you, where you were headed? Like you said that while well, you were at uni, you were like a floor managing mm-hmm. of interest, but did you have that in your sights then? You were like, right, okay, this is my, this is where I'm headed. And I want that job. I had not quite as clear as that. I remember seeing the sports presentation um, being done as well. And I uh, I recognised a few faces already. And I was like, I kind of really want to sort of do that sort of thing. I don't know really if if that's 100%, but I'm liking what I'm seeing here. But after the Olympics, um, I was still working um, and I kept my supermarket job, uh, moved back home. um, And I had taken actually a sabbatical from from them um because I'd worked there so many years so I could do the Olympics but I then I went traveling so I just it was only a month and a bit I just I just went on my own I was originally meant to meet friends out there but things changed uh, for part of it so I met some others later on and I just took a break because I never took a, a gap year before uni and obviously technically this was after I didn't I haven't taken a full full year I just wanted to take a small time just because I didn't want to sort of lose traction so I went traveling to Asia, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore. And then when I got back, I started to focus on what I wanted to do. And I applied to a shopping channel for a studio system role that I saw. Um, I think I saw it online. And I, I, I can't beg remember, but it, it was quite visible. I saw it online and um, 
on my graduation day, officially, I got a phone call and was uh, called in to do an interview to be a studio assistant for a shopping channel. Um, it was called Bid TV. They also had price drop and sit up. It doesn't exist anymore. But um, that was my first freelance job, uh, 28th of November, to be exact, precise. And the only reason I remember that is because it was um, self-employed work. So I had to register to be self-employed, which in itself is a whole new learning curve about what's called a UTR number and how you then have to learn to pay your tax and everything. So it's easy. And, did, and was that the intention at that point, what, to go to go straight to be a freelancer? Was that I, in your head or was it I, just that it happened that the job was there as a freelancer? And I, It was, my mindset was full-time. I was fully full-time to leave the supermarket job, obviously, but hold on to it until I kind of could break into the industry. But no, I, I was no way wanting to be freelance. I, was, I wasn't sort of secure myself to want to do that. Yeah. I was really sort of like a safety net option of being being a staff job but it was freelance and so that didn't happen and I I as things progressed I started to change my mind and so I took on the work I was working weekly I was basically assisting the floor manager in the studio and as time progressed in that job I became assistant floor manager and I would have more responsibility uh, I also became a graphics operator for a short period of time for a channel that started up and it was very kind of stressful but doable and you learn what you don't like and what you do like and it also tests you to work in slightly more pressured environment being in the gallery so as much as I didn't like the graphics it it kind of preps you for you know further progression so yeah really good sort of learning curve you know and learning how to like work in the live constant live so it operation. was live was it all the productions you all were working? yeah and it was more than one channel it was like three channels all in one facility you know so it was two price drop and bid up were running simultaneously and you'd I'd flip flop from studio to studio and assist the different floor managers and then there's a and when you sorry Sean when you say sit what does that what does that actually involve what does that mean is that getting coffee or is that kind of what does the actual uh, job involve Oh, sorry. So it was it was studio based. So I was I was helping with all of the props, changing the sets and uh, working with like the art department. So as one section of the studio is being used to demonstrate a product, we would be working quietly to set up the next product. And this product would be an hour special with a different sort of, you know, like summer background vibes because we was going into summer and shopping channels would also promote stuff so many months in advance. Christmas started in September. So you'd start helping put the set into places and then before you know it, the whole set's changed and and you've, you've been doing it for like an hour. So, yeah, I, I was there to assist the studio for yeah. everyone. So, yeah, and set with every, set the items and stuff as well. Yeah, okay. Just so we can kind of get an idea of what that, kind of job involved so then were your site still on floor managing it was like, oh, particularly by me after the graphics experience if that wasn't for you did that then kind of solidify going actually this is yeah that's kind of sort of sucks me and I like the system floor managing bit but unfortunately the channel went bust so I didn't get into the floor managing element so <laughs> I luckily had moved on and I'd done some other work and I was working a bit for Bloomberg and Bloomberg was a multi-skill operating role so there was elements of floor managing um, but there was also um you do um, gold racks, so you'd have to colour balance uh, all of the cameras and make sure that they're all balanced. And there was operating the cameras robotically as well. And Bloomberg is interesting because even though it was in London, the gallery and the team was in New York. So you would be working 5,000 miles apart, having conversations as if they were literally around the corner, but they weren't. Um, so, yeah, and you'd, and you'd do your sound checks. So it... It was also very news-based, so it was very sort of corporate and it was a bit different. Um, and by being a multi-skill operator, it gave me the opportunity to try out multiple roles and know, know what I liked and know what I didn't like. So I didn't love operating the cameras robotically. You know, it was a bit nerve-wracking. But you soon learn how to sort of control the cameras and get focus and how to frame shots and work in accordance to what the standard is for an American-based uh, even though they're in the UK, but they're American-run um, channel. Um, so yeah, that 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 was interesting. You know, you'd cover quite a lot of news in in the morning, um, uh, and again, floor managing kind of kicked in. There was a little bit of system floor managing, um, and, and that helped me kind of know that this is sort of the direction in time that I want to I want to go with. But again, still a little bit unsure. So I didn't worry about it, um, and I went on to actually do some other other things outside of news and studio work 
and and in, in a way I kind of took a step back um because why not you know there was again still running running my part-time job a little bit in, in Waitrose and um so I had a bit of security I'd built up enough money and I could afford to do it and I was living at home and I, I basically wanted to explore more options even if it wasn't the role that I had in mind so I went into doing just I wanted to get some credits, actual like TV credits. So I went into running that really leapfrogged into so many different productions and roles as a runner. And there's a little camera as a camera assistant um, for quite a good period of time, just to build up my credits and, and to travel as well. That was the key part was to sort of not just be based in London, but I ended up being based in Scotland for quite a bit uh, for projects. And I got to travel and fly over the country and a couple of jobs meant I got to fly abroad. Um, even to back to Qatar, funny enough, where mm. I saw my first studio. Um, Madrid was for a, a Vans event. Um, I can't really remember what else, but yeah. So yeah, I, I really kind of, I took a step back in order to feel like I was stepping forward, which was really interesting. And you just worked on so many amazing different projects. That's quite a brave step to do as well, to recognise that actually you want to go backwards in terms of, because normally a run, runner is the kind of first kind of wrong in, in TV production. So to recognise that you'd be doing that to then progress is quite a brave thing to do. And, and I think the key point is because I was freelance and at the beginning, I really didn't want to be freelance. And I'm what, 11 plus years in now of being freelance. And if if for the past 10 years, if someone said, do you want a staff job? I've said no every time because Have of you. flexibility. And uh, you aren't owned. You can't be told what to do. You get to decide so yes, there's cons as well. Yes, you do feel like more anxiety and that you have to say yes to stuff, but you can say no and no one can challenge you for it. So mm. that freelance ability allowed me to work on like multiple jobs even in a week. You know, one week I was traveling the country. I was, I think one of, yeah, one of the weeks I just got back from holiday. I had to go up from London up to North. Then we went to Ireland. Then we flew back over. Then I was doing a TV commercial down back in London for uh, for a hair product uh, near to home. Uh, you just don't know where you're going to be in, in the space of like five days. Uh, yeah, so that's crazy. Jobs in a week kind of thing. So, yeah. And how did you, just going back to that UTR and setting yourself up with, you know, your UTR tax code and just understanding about tax, how did you even begin to get your head around all of that as a freelancer as a, and as a young person that wasn't expecting to being yeah. a freelance role as well because that is a big learning curve right yeah it's... big learning curve um the, the hmrc have got sort of helping steps online i think are better than they were 10 years ago but also um i helped i had a bit of help from my parents and also i think the first company the shopping channel told me what a utr number is is it a unique tax reference and it yeah. it's all set out online and you soon learn as you as you go online to hmrc and to fill out self-assessment how to do it you also have PAYE is pay as you earn and it's a bit of a funny one in the industry I won't delve into it but you <clears throat> you do get put on a lot of pay as you earn as well and there's a couple of there's a lot of HMRC rules so it can be a bit convoluted but my best advice is um get yourself an accountant it's worth the money and and um ask ask for help ask even you know even even at university there should be a department I mean there's a finance department that should give you sort of an inkling about what to do and there's a lot of online help as well and give you a sort of yeah. initial out and what to do so yeah. but you learn time and it becomes quite self-understanding and, and it's not as complicated as you think um and it's before you know you might and I'm not but you might then become a limited company and you might even get more advanced than that so yeah 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 no that's good advice so then after Bloomberg what what then and after running you did you got your credits you you're traveling around then then what next you decide to go back yes. to floor managing and what was the decision around yeah, so I kind of got I kind of got all my credits. And my CV was quite full. I'd sort of done enough of the running, and um, and what I what the incentive was, I knew I wanted to earn some more money, so I knew that it's always a good incentive. <laughs> a good incentive was managing paid a bit more, and also uh, it kind of has come to a point where you sort of at that age where you probably didn't want to sort of run as much. Um, I mean uh, anymore because it, it is your entry level into the industry, and it does open up doors. And I can't remember exactly how many doors opened but it was a lot and I actually had all my work was through connections and so another door opened and it was a little bit of floor managing for for another news channel that was in London and so I went into that and I kept a bit of running on the side I'd at this point quit my job in, wait, in Waitrose so I've given the name away now the supermarket 
Um, very good place to work, by the way. Even if you're not sure what to do, recommend it. <laughs> and I exist as well. So um, I I went into working f- as a floor manager for uh, a news channel, and it wasn't a most prestigious news channel, but it was giving me the opportunity to gain experience and working with a real bunch of experienced people from directing to the lighting to sound who had loads of other sort of working connections who you could ask for experience and any other possible opportunities. Um, and what I was also sort of doing, I was buying my time to build up some floor manager experience before I, I call it sort of like my golden card because I obviously had gone and seen a TV studio when I was very young and I had a friend whose dad worked in the industry, but I didn't want to approach that. Do you have any opportunities for Sky News? Having that he'd already left until I had the experience. And so I built up enough experience to then approach and it was just good timing um, and they were in need of a freelancer and my CV was credible enough it showed that I understood the language of television and that I had done the work before and from that slightly unknown news channel I then got into Sky News and that's really where the real kind of career started where the work began um, and that's where I went through trailing and I learned how Sky would operate and how things had done really sort of to a high standard um, and that's where my focus was. And I started doing frequently like day to day, frequent week to week shifts there, you know, as they're like two to three days a week. And I still am. And then we're talking eight years down the line. Um, and then with Sky became um, the opportunity to apply for BBC. And interestingly, I, I actually didn't get in on the first round. Uh, but the second time is because of, once again, I knew someone who used to work at the BBC or who actually did use to work at BBC and she then worked again at the BBC. And so the, that initial intro, that got me onto the floor for BBC News and, uh, and until recently BBC World, because now it's all merged as one. Um, and then the same as again, it was a connection. Someone gave me the name of someone at ITV News uh, for who run IT, who are part of a body of news channels under ITN. Uh, independent television news is that right is that what they're called now I can't remember mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I got into floor managing for uh, ITN for the ITV news channel yeah. so yeah very much connection uh, related but down to having built up my experience to have the confidence to use that connection wisely not fully take advantage of it and you know, I didn't want to use it with no experience I wanted the experience before I asked for the opportunity to see if there was any work yeah, and 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 actually, if you had just used your connections, then you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been able to fulfil the role because you wouldn't have had the experience and knowledge. So you'd have fallen flat on your face and probably not been allowed anywhere near a floor ever again. Exactly. But but the thing that struck me about that that kind of comments you just made were just about the connections piece. That actually main oh, maintaining those connections throughout your career, understanding that from your very first job through to all of the jobs that you do. There are people that you know that actually when you do need something or an introduction that, that you know, when you've got validity behind you and, and strengthen your CV and what you're trying to offer, actually they're so important as well that you can kind of stay across where other people are in the industry and build that network for you and understanding that that's part of your job. And, and then it, I think it reminded me of what you were saying earlier, just about being a sociable person as well, <laughs> that actually maybe that's worked in your favour as well. That is exactly it. And it, it is a team-based industry and it doesn't run on its own uh without a collective of people and and it but this is why i went into it whereas i am not ever really behind a desk yes i'm behind a tv i mean behind a monitor with a rundown which gives you the information of what's happening in the news but it is a social environment you're constantly within a team working on a job and you're not on your own. And I know some people might do an office job and they don't even need to communicate because everything's done by email. Can't do my job by email. And when COVID came along, I was so lucky because I couldn't work from home. I mean, it could have worked two ways, you know, it had a damaging impact on the industry. But two big things that kept going was news and also supermarkets as well. Yeah. Two shops that stayed open, well, a shop and, and a news channel. And so I was very lucky with that. And that's because the, the you, you can't do the job at home you have to be there 
on the floor in the in the studio and you have to be working with other people so um it it was interesting that i you know where i've got to is is probably is down to like not wanting to be in a job where i have to write reports and essays and create presentations like I, it's very much i can go in do my job and, and i can come home and it's incredibly practical i can get away with not even to write anything you know everything i do is communicated through words um and actions and be, and physically being on the being there on the floor and and talking and talking to people like one-to-one you know you know it is it it's not a case of emailing someone it's like physically having to be there for it yeah. to work yeah so what and what does being on the floor involve on a on a give me like when you're working for sky news let's just use them as an example yeah. what does that actually involve what does your day look like when you when you're working My day, on, the, so, on the tv floor being a rolling news channel as i am the eyes and ears of the studio floor so i ensure like the safety of, of others when on that floor and the primary people on there will be the presenter will be me um, we have correspondents and we have guests so it's to ensure that they are on time in the right place um, as quickly and as safely as possible and i communicate all things going on in that studio floor or even in that newsroom if people aren't in the right place or aren't present uh, and they're not here they're late and things change with the gallery and with the director and the rest of the team so from the sound department because I also manage all the microphones and I might call the presenter the guests up and things change and what mics and what ears they want so they have talk back and who has talk back to listen to the gallery who doesn't uh, even sort of there's a camera person uh, for one of the studios so we work with each other and we have to position all the cameras in different places for like guests and then there's obviously technical people and like technical director you know from the studio lighting uh, to um, you know more computer-based technical issues um, so yeah I am like the middleman as you could call it I, I am there to um, be present to fix any problems and to communicate any issues between others within the team amazing so all of yeah all of those skills that you learned as a young person around talking going to all of those clubs socializing just seems to completely fit with where you are now and the job that you're doing it feels like a totally natural progression without even realizing that when you were kind of 14 15 it's extraordinary you're in the thick of it like you are you see it all you're not watching it on the screen like the gallery is great it's great fun um but you know you are there and you never know you know even if it lights the sky on any other company who's going to walk through that door today who are you going to see you know so it can be really some really exciting moments you know yeah I bet are there are there moments where you're like I can't believe that person's just walked in <laughs> yeah there's some moments where you're so chill you don't realize it's that person that everyone knows and you're like oh it's that John Kerry that famous one who works in the US world of politics <laughs> like, random so a lot of politics a lot of political people I've been very I've seen them all not that they're all liked from you know Boris Johnson Theresa mm-hmm. May the former deputy minister of as of uh, deputy prime minister the other week Dominic Raab a number of times uh, and and people in in showbiz as well you know mm-hmm. sorts of life and you get to talk to them as well if it's not much time but you 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 get to have a little chat before and you just you know it's real insight real, real fun and you actually get to see them and meet people like that and yeah. get this job so yeah yeah exactly so where so where's next for you Sean where do you explore managing where your career is still going to go is this where you want to stay is it sounds uh, like you're super happy doing this role yeah so um I also God, I haven't mentioned I actually do I direct as well on the side I know okay. I mean, so much going on. I, so I direct on the side and it is different. So I like that as well. Um, but it's a lot more pressure, you know, and you carry the responsibility of everybody being, you know, even the floor manager is it's under you and um, and the whole team. But I I still sit with like 78% of the floor manager because I just like being in the middle of a being there physically being in place so yeah my objective is to stick with floor managing and I think mm-hmm. in time I've done a lot of news and I've covered most of the news channels and I've been really lucky to do like the six o'clock the 10 o'clock news the, the queen's funeral jubilee uh, just some amazing obviously not all like happy stories but some amazing events that will never happen again so I probably would want to start looking at other areas of floor managing because it's such a broad topic. You know, it's different genres. There's, obviously, I've done shopping, there's news, there's light entertainment, um, there's sports events, there's elements of corporate. Um, 
so yeah i would like to see what other things i can probably go into in the floor managing world within within the tv studio not just tv but it's also events you know it's 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 a big kind of you know opens up a lot of doors you know to, to still explore so yeah yeah lots of different pathways available um so we're coming to the end of the podcast but what advice would you be would you give to people kind of looking to get into the industry and perhaps looking at this role specifically of floor managing what would what would be your guidance for them um i would don't think too much about what you want to do just go with what you enjoy take your time there's no rush um and I would go with your gut and take on as many opportunities as you like. And if you don't like it, it doesn't matter. At least you've given it a go because it's really not going to affect you. It's only going to make you a better person. It's only going to improve your skills. And in time, it will give you more ideas of sort of what you might want to do. Because I, even I don't really know still what I want to do. And <laughs> But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? You can kind of test and, as you say, you can test and as you're doing with the directing, you can test that a little bit and see whether that's where you might want to go. And and actually failing is just as important as as success. There are so many roles in this industry. You can try it all out, you know, and and you can, there's, you know, you can, you can trail it. You can just, you know, in time, you'll be able to sort of go and look at what other people do. You don't have to be in the role. You can look, you can just, you know, have a little sort of, sneak peek in and watch other people and see if that's of interest um, and there's so much information out there as well online so watch it and see sort of behind the scene things as well about what you do before you go in it but yeah I would really don't worry about what you want to do just try anything and everything um, is what I would say yeah and brilliant and then finally please could you name me three things that you love about this industry what makes you what makes it like a happy place for you to work in so I've, I've cheated a bit. I've written these down. Because oh, go on then. No, I like that you've prepared. Go on. <laughs> need to get these ones right. So it is the variety of opportunity. Um, no day is the same in this industry. It's always different. Um, it's practical. It's hands-on, face-to-face, and in, not behind, for me, a desk all the time, you know, working at a computer screen. And um, you're working in a team. You're not on your own. You're with other people. So you're a team at the end of the day. Uh, which is really good so you're always with it you're always with um, in a social environment as well I love that I love all of those Sean thank you so much for joining us and uh telling us about your career and your education pathway it's been really fascinating thank you so much for your time and good luck with all of your next adventures thank you